Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. In the book of Daniel, the nation of Israel had been taken into captivity. They had been taken into captivity, ripped from their homeland, taken to Babylon, living in difficult, uncertain times. And this, in the case of the nation of Israel, was a result of their idolatry. They had turned away from God. They had turned toward idols. And so God was allowing this captivity to come upon them as a, as a way of correcting their sin and to teach them to repent from idolatry. And I do believe that on a national level, we do have some repentance to do as a country and, and as a people. And I think that this plague is allowing us to do that. We're being forced to slow down to see what's important to us, to spend more time with families, to, to stop and see others' needs and to help them through this time. And so God does use adversity in order to bring about the change in your life that he wants to bring. Now, Daniel was a good guy. I mean, he was, a, he was the type of guy that did everything the right way from the moment that he came to consciousness. He was born. He grew up a child. He was a noble lad who had a ton of potential, who was in the higher-ups in Israeli society. Here you have a guy with all the potential in the world. He has been given some of the best education. He is in a position to become a leader in Israel. And the invading army comes in and he's taken captive. He's taken captive. He is imprisoned. He's hauled off to Babylon and then put to work as a servant or a slave to the king. Now, he did work in the palace, but he was still a slave to the king. Now, by the time we get to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel has already lived a lifetime in Babylonian captivity. He had been placed in the lion's den and delivered by God from the lion's den. He, his friends had been thrown in the fiery furnace only to be delivered by the, by the Lord himself. Uh, he, he was there to interpret the writing on the wall when the hand of God wrote the words that you have been weighed and you have been measured and you have been found wanting to an evil Babylonian king. Daniel saw the Medes and the Persians come in and conquer the Babylonians and institute a new order in, in, that, in that country. And Daniel had lived a lifetime. He had seen it all. And by the time we get to Daniel chapter 9, it's becoming apparent that the Babylonian captivity, the captivity of the Israelites in Babylon was coming to an end. Daniel is in a blessed place that he lived through the dark times and he was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as he's getting to that point, God is showing him through a series of visions and through a series of prophecies just how he's going to bring about the good times once again. God was showing Daniel how he was going to bring his people back into the promised land. God was showing Daniel how he was going to redeem his nation and put an end to sin. He was showing Daniel how he was going to assume his throne and rule his people Israel. God was showing Daniel the redemption of his people. And it was a blessing. 
And so it's in that light that we get to verse 24 here in Daniel chapter 9 where he says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. From this verse we learn about God's plan of redemption and his plan for mankind. First of all, we learn that God's plan is to end all suffering and destruction. What we're seeing in our world today with the pandemic, with world events, with uncertainty, with runs on the grocery store and, and all these rumors going around and misinformation, we're seeing suffering, we're seeing destruction, but God's going to bring that to an end. Second thing, God's plan is to bring in everlasting goodness and righteousness. And third, God's plan has a timetable. We're not waiting for God to get up off the couch and act. We know that God has a planned moment that he is going to spring his plan into action. And so first, God's plan is to end all suffering and destruction. But how is he going to do that? Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 tells us that he will finish the transgression. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to finish the transgression? Well, since Adam and Eve in the garden, man has been in a state of rebellion against God. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil back in the garden, the Bible tells us they had three motivations for that. It was pleasing to the eyes, the, the, the fruit looked good, it was good for food, and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. In other words, they were going to gain power from this fruit. And Satan told them that in the day that they ate thereof, that they would be as gods knowing good and evil. And so the motivating factor for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the motivating factor was that they could have all the power God had and they could set their own agenda and live their lives the way they wanted to. They rebelled against God by eating that fruit. And since then, mankind has been in a state of rebellion against God. Man has denied God's existence. He has questioned his existence. Man has questioned his word. By the way, that also goes back to the garden in chapter 3 where Satan said, uh, hath God said we question his word in fact the current generation has been taught to question the authenticity of the Bible the authenticity of the scriptures the current generation that we are seeing and this has been going on for years and decades we have been being taught to question whether or not the Bible translation we hold in our hand is a true translation and whether or not we can trust what is written on the manuscripts hath God said man has questioned God's word and we have challenged his authority. We have challenged whether or not he has the right to govern in, in, in our lives and lead in our lives and dictate in our lives and intervene in our lives. We have questioned his authority. And as time continues, that rebellion gets worse. Man becomes more prideful. Man becomes more evil. And let me tell you, there is nothing more evil than a man or a woman who is trying to show how much power and control they have. 
You look back to some of the more vicious tyrants of history, and each one of them did what they did to prove and to exert their power over their fellow man. There is nothing more evil than that. Man becomes more evil, and as a result, we have death and destruction. But God's plan is to end death. God's plan is to end suffering. God's plan is to end destruction. And so in order to end that, he has to put an end to man's rebellion. Currently, God is ending man's rebellion by calling everyone to repentance. There's not a single person in this church or who's watching this video online who has not been called to repentance. God calls all men to repentance. I know some folks that believe that you can only be saved if God calls you, but the fact of the matter is, he will draw all men to himself. We have all been called to repentance. This video itself is a call to repentance, to repent from pride, to repent from arrogance, to repent from the sins of being in a rebellious state against God. We are all called to repentance, repentance from deceit and lying, from theft, from covetousness, from anger, from dishonoring parents to disregarding God altogether. We've all been called to repentance. Those who repent of their sins and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior are no longer rebels, but they are now children of God. And those who reject him will be banished to hell. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Notice what 2 Timothy 4, 1 says, that Christ, when his kingdom appears, when he shows up, when he establishes his kingdom on earth, he will judge the quick and the dead. He will judge the living. That's what the word quick means. He will judge the quick and the dead. A lot of people take that as a physical interpretation. They say, well, the, the quick are the people who are still alive when he returns, and the dead are those who have passed on before he returns. That's true. He's going to judge those who are still living when he returns. He will judge those who had already passed on before he returns. But the quick and the dead also re refers to a spiritual condition. He will judge those who are spiritually quick, who are spiritually alive, and he will judge those who are spiritually dead. The day is coming when he makes that call. And when those of us who know Christ as our Savior will dwell in peace in his kingdom, no disease, no tyranny, no death, just glory and goodness and peace and prosperity. The Bible speaks of every man eating of his own vineyard and sitting under the shade of, of his own tree. Jessica bought a fig tree yesterday. We're going to plant it. In a year or two, we'll be able to eat figs off of it. I'm looking forward to sitting in the shade of that fig tree and eating those figs. But that's just an earthly pleasure. I'm looking forward to the day we enter his kingdom. And that's where God is taking us. Not only will he put an end to the transgression, not only will he end man's rebellion, but he will make an end of sins. Remove the rebellion from man, you remove the sin. Imagine a world without crime. Imagine a world without cheating spouses. Imagine a world without scam artists, without sexual predators, without murderers, without crooked businessmen. Imagine a world where you're totally 100% safe. That's where God is taking us. How will he make an end to sins?
the first thing, Christ conquered sin when he went to the cross. When Christ was nailed to the cross, sin was nailed to the cross with him. The Bible teaches us, and, and this is a good scripture for you in Hebrews chapter 4, where it says that he was in all points tempted like as we are without, yet without sin. He was tempted, he was troubled, he was tried, he, he faced every emotion and situation that we do. Yet he did that without sin. And by the way, as you're going through life these days with the stories in the news about the coronavirus and the next round of quarantines and what the government is going to do and what the government isn't going to do, and you're trying to figure out which store to go to to have the best chance of buying milk and toilet paper, and you're going through all of this anxiety, just remember that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're feeling because he was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet he was tempted without sin. He conquered sin. He never sinned. He never failed to sin. He never fa fell down into sin. He never failed in sin. I get to go in so fast and my enunciation gets off. Christ was perfect. He was sinless. And he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he took the punishment for the sins of all mankind. Sin was nailed to the cross with him. And he endured the wrath of God on our behalf. And he paid for sin. And he cleansed us. He conquered sin on the cross. Secondly, he cleanses us from sin when we repent and believe. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that we were once slaves to sin, but now we're servants of Christ. The Bible tells us that we have been freed from the bondage of sin. We've been freed from the destruction of sin. And we have been made free in Christ. He cleansed us from sin when we repented and we believed. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1 that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. All right, we're back. All right, so we've talked about in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 in the previous uh, message how God is going to put an end to suffering and to destruction and how he is going to bring in his kingdom and everlasting goodness and everlasting righteousness. The final point I want to make here is that there is a timetable. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 starts by saying 70 weeks are determined upon thy people upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin. Seventy weeks are determined. Now there's a lot of theology here in terms of end times events and end times prophecy, but what I want to focus on this morning is that there is a time frame, that there is a moment that God has planned that he will come back and he will establish his kingdom. And so the lesson that we have for that is that we should be ready. Business as usual, as we have learned this week, will not last forever. The day is coming. When Christ shall return, are you prepared to meet him? Repent and believe. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, to the believer, this is a verse of reassurance that God's blessing, that he is coming for us, that he is coming to redeem us. To the non-believer, this is a warning to repent. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. I want to thank y'all for being a part of this service. We will reconvene here on Facebook Live Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock.